1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Anfield Index Writers Podcast. I am Tom Holmes. Joining me as ever is Leanne Prescott. Leanne, hi, how are you?
2: Uh, All good, my end. Um, Apart from the obvious downward news of Oxlade-Chamberlain's injury, had to get that one in straight away. Um, I'm a big Oxlade-Chamberlain fan, so obviously it's not the best news um, from a personal point of view, but also for Liverpool. A very, very good dynamic player was in good form. Um, But other than that, yeah, good. Liverpool seem to be... Doing very, very well this summer in terms of their transfer business. So lots to talk about today and two brilliant guests joining us.
1: Yes, indeed. Two fantastic guests joining us. We've got two brand new guests on this show before. They're two new writers for AI and they're both called Scott. So first of all, we've got Scott Groom. Scott, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Thank you, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I am pretty good. Pretty good. It's great to have you on. And also we've got another Scott. We've got Scott Geelan. Scott, how are you? Also good. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you both on. So we'll get straight into it, and we're going to talk about the midfield first of all, because Scott Green, you've written an excellent article on what you call the midfield minefield, where basically you um you have a look at all the sort of the options in midfield and about getting that balance right. So I'll let you uh take over to sort of introduce your article and let us know sort of what your overall thoughts were and any sort of guiding points for the discussion before we kick off.
0: Okay, well you sort of summed it up a little bit just there when you said about. A bit of a midfield minefield. Obviously, the additions of Naby Keita and Fabino, this transfer window—they're uh, two massive signings, two great players that can offer offer so much to to Klopp's midfield in terms of just something a bit different with the ferocity and the aggression and the endless energy of, of Naby Keita, and that you know he's got those marauding, charging runs forward, a bit reminiscent of a young Stevie G and yeah, you know, he looks a really exciting player, uh, and obviously his defensive his defensive works pretty good as well. But then you've got Fabinho, who's obviously more of a defensive minded player. But you know, we've all seen what he did for Monaco, especially in that Champions League run they had when they knocked City out, and the passes that he can thread, and he's quite dynamic at times as well. So he could be that player that Blake breaks from deep. But what my worry is, is that at times watching Liverpool last season when we played with players like Henderson and Milner and then perhaps Wijnaldum in the middle as well is that there was just a bit of a lack of industry in there. It looked a bit lethargic. Um, you know, there was just not that sort of creativity there. So what I think Klopp's got to be really careful of this season is who to play when against which oppositions um, because if he plays too many of the same players, like for example, perhaps a Henderson, Fabinho, and why now the midfield? Should injuries happen or anything like that, could be a little bit sort of laborious in terms of watching the guys. I think he's just got to be a little bit careful with how we how we select things going forward into the season.
1: Okay, so it's a really good summation and a really good place to kick off. So, um, Scott Geelan, I'm gonna try and find a, a shorthand for you guys. I might just go Groom and Geelan if that's alright. Geelan. Um, yeah. Yeah, just because otherwise, if I keep saying Scott, it's going to be impossible. Um, so, Geelan, your overall thoughts on the article then, and anything you wanted to pick out to uh, sort of respond to?
3: I, I think it was interesting because I agree almost wholeheartedly with everything that Rumi uh, said, really. I think the, the Oxide chamberlain injury today is, has me concerned about the potential lack of creativity from the midfield. Um, I think the lack of, obviously, navigator coming in is is a positive in terms of creativity, driving from deep, people arriving into the penalty area, getting kind of beyond Firmino. That kind of thing is, is a positive. I think Oxide Chamber also offered that. And I worry that we don't have another player who can offer that kind of thrust, offer that kind of creativity from deep, because I don't think Lalana can be relied upon because he's injured too often. And I don't think the other players that we have, uh, have those kind of asset, uh, sort of have those abilities. So to me, the, the big issue is going to be creativity from midfield. And I think. That's a big concern to me, uh, of an over-reliance on kind of Nabi Keita basically at this point.
1: Okay. So an interesting sort of response there. I'll go now to Leanne, who I know doesn't necessarily wholeheartedly agree with everything said in the article. So Leanne, I'll give you a chance to give your overall thoughts and response to the article.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a very good piece. And as has been said, it's a, it's a good headache uh, for Klopp to have heading into the season because before Liverpool have had a, a dearth of options and players who, not really been able to create those chances, especially when they've come off the bench. There's been no one to, to thread that killer pass when Coutinho's not on his game. Um, whereas now heading into the season, we've got a real range of options. You've got Nabi Keita who's come in and has that diversity, has that creativity about him, has that almost arrogance to to drive forward with the ball and take on the opposition. And then you've got Fabinho who will complement him. He adds that defensive um, security, that blanket to the back four, which we've needed since the Mascherano day. So Two very good signings there, and, and that leaves one position, which is sort of the point in this article, is, is that you're you, you have all these players fighting for one position. You've got James Milner, Genie Brian if he stays, Henderson, Lalana. Um, Oxley Chamberlain's out for the season, so not him. But Lalana, uh, not Lalana, Milner, Henderson, and Genie. They were the the trio against um AS Roma in the first leg uh, when Oxley Chamberlain went off, and they did such a good job. So. Uh, that in itself shows how far this this midfield is progressing. And I think that's really exciting heading into the new season and and does therefore provide Klopp with a dilemma. So it's interesting to see what he does with that third position, whether he goes for an attacking-minded Nabil Fekir, someone like that, or if he looks to bring in uh, Jordan Henderson, who has that energy, has that bit of box-to-box nature about him and, and allows him to be more freed up because of Fabinho. So, yeah, very, very interesting thing to be discussing. Um, and obviously there's going to be lots of different takes on who should fill that third position and what, you know, formations Klopp could play with all these options.
1: Yeah, absolutely. agree. And um, the first thing I kind of want to address, um, Graham, before we sort of kick in, is what what are the sort of main areas of the midfield that you feel are important to get the balance right on? Because obviously when we talk about balance and we talk about the midfield, we can mean quite a lot of things. Is it making sure that we aren't overloaded defensively? Is it making sure we've got enough attacking options? Obviously you mentioned specifically creativity and getting men beyond the ball would you say creativity is the main question mark you have over this midfield in terms of getting that balance right? Or do you think there are other areas that need to be addressed as well in terms of balance? And what to you is the sort of the most important elements that we need to be getting right in terms of balance? So do we need to be balancing attack and defence? Do we need to be balancing sort of creativity and then sort of having that control over the midfield as well? Or do we need to be balancing specific attributes from individual players? So is it a case of having a play who can dribble having a play who can defend that sort of thing How would, what's your sort of take on the overall sort of look at what what's important to try and find that balance
0: I think when you said the creativity I think for me that was that was an issue perhaps less last season than it was the season before when we were coming up against you sort of your mid table lower table teams and they were coming and just sticking men behind and the ball parking the bus essentially and we, we couldn't break the lines last season we did see we saw a huge a huge progression from not just the midfield, but from the whole team in terms of, of breaking those guys down. But I think it really it does stem from the midfield. So obviously, as Leanne said, I completely agree with her, what she said about those midfield three of Henderson, Milner and Aldum. They did such a terrific job against Roma in the Champions League. But, you know, they, those performances for me don't quite come often enough from that balance of players. And I'm not for... for you know, for one minute slating either one of them because I think all three of them had terrific seasons, and I'm a big fan of Wan I think he's he's one of the most underrated cogs in the Klopp system. But you know, sometimes when you when you you're looking for that that spark, that bit of that bit of guile to get you through what might be a quite a tricky situation, if we need to find a goal, if they're drawing, if they're losing, to kind of pull one back. Sometimes I just think that it was perhaps more evident when Emre Chan was playing last season when he wasn't injured that kind of player that sort of sits too deep and hasn't quite got the attacking skill set to to pick the lock and thread the pass. I know he did it a couple of times, but it was sort of sporadic rather than that player who we can turn to a bit like a Coutinho figure, I guess, uh, someone with his kind of creativity, which is perhaps where Nabil Fakir's potential signing could slot really nicely into that midfield area. Um, but I also think that that with Oxlade-Chamberlain's injury, I think he would have played a crucial part in Klopp's plans next season had he not got himself injured. Um, so his injury today is it's a huge blow. I don't think it can be understated enough. But it also then further adds importance to Shakiri's signing. I think he could now feature far more prominently next season in that role, maybe providing that bit of locksmith, picking the lock kind of thing. You know, whether he, whether he features in a front three or a midfield three remains to be seen, and I'll be interested to see what happens. But should he get utilized in a bit of a Coutinho-esque role, it'll be quite interesting to see where that goes. But yeah, I think for me, defensively, the balance is there. Cater, Fabino, Henderson, Milner, Guanaldum, all very well defensively disciplined, all know their roles going forward. It's just that spark, I think, for me, that could be the issue.
1: Okay, so that's some really good points there, some really interesting points. Um, Geelan, is there anything that you want to respond to directly out of that, or in general, I just want to get your thoughts on the balance of the midfield. Is creativity the main issue for you as well, or do you feel as though there's there's uh, potentially an option that we can end up overloading the midfield in other areas, so we don't have enough dribblers, or we've got too many tacklers, or something like that?
3: I think, think, yeah, as I said, I think creativity probably is the main issue. I'd I'd also just... It's also going to be a case of guys kind of integrating well into the press that Liverpool like to uh, employ. Sort of, how far is Jordan Henderson potentially going to have to kind of babysit the new arrivals a little bit when he comes in? Does that make his role more prominent early on? And will we see him kind of be phased out of the team as the season develops, as guys like Fabinho and Keita gain more of an understanding of kind of how Liverpool are pressing? Um, that would be a question mark for me. And I think otherwise it, it, it's. It's just the kind of the possibility that Liverpool stop playing with a a three and end up with a two. Um, which I think then might demand something slightly different from the two kind of midfielders, especially one being far more defensive and the other one again being a little bit more passive and allowing the front three to buzz around. But there's also got to be consideration that in the Roma game, when the players did so well, I thought that a lot they they were they were kind of allowed to perform better by the fact that the front three were on fire and we also had two fullbacks who were so offensively gifted um in situations where the front three aren't quite as prominent and um, we do maybe have to go with uh, Joe Gomez at right back instead of Trent Alexander-Arnold for example then we might have to have more creativity from a midfield group that doesn't necessarily possess it at this moment
2: I think, it's, I think it's an interesting one because the one aspect of the article I do disagree with um, is this idea that a trio of Kater Fabinho and Oxlade-Chamberlain would leave Liverpool short. Obviously, Chamberlain is out for the season now, so it's it's null and void as far as he's concerned. But if we were to bring in someone like Fakir, I think that question is still pretty prominent because he's someone that is very attack-minded, whereas Oxlade-Chamberlain tracked back. He was one of the top pressers in the side, and therefore his defensive shift is going to maybe leave the midfield slightly more unbalanced if Fakir comes in, uh, which is why I thought, again, Oxlade-Chamberlain was a player who was going to have a crucial season because he's able to sort of do two jobs in one and therefore offset this idea that that Liverpool's midfield would be unbalanced. Um, so, it's again, it's interesting when Klopp's looking at this dilemma, he really has to factor in maybe the different oppositions. If you're playing a, a team that presses you high, uh, you want that creativity, but you also need a bit more of a blanket to your back four. Whereas if you're playing uh, Brighton at home, they're going to sit back uh, and it's really up to you to take the game to them. Then you're not going to need as much of a defensive blanket. So you would want someone like Fakir, Cater, Fabinho in there rather than a Jordan Henderson. Um, but again, we've got the players to to suit these different roles. Henderson is, is a player who we probably saw him at his best when he was in that box-to-box role with the licence to roam rather than being told to really stick as that number six where he, he's not necessarily suited to. Uh, but he can do a bit of a job there, he can do both, he can defend, he can go forward when, need, uh, when he needs to. So it, it's interesting to see what happens, because again, you've got James Milner, vital role last season, Adam Lallana, that bit of creativity can can move between the lines and press as well. So it depends on his fitness. Um But I don't think Liverpool's midfield is going to be unbalanced next season. I think people need to look at how important Fabinho will be. Um, he's got very, very good tackling stats. Um, I've just got some up here, I'll just read quickly. Um completes an average of 3.4 tackles, 1.3 interceptions per 90 minutes last season, um, which was better than any of Liverpool's current midfielders. So Jordan Henderson was the best with 1.9 tackles and 1.1 interceptions per game. So it's comfortably uh, surpassed by Fabinho. But again, that shows how crucial he's going to be in that defensive role. So even if you do have two attack-minded players alongside I think Fabinho is of the quality to deal with that, and, and as I said, it depends on the opposition we're facing.
1: I think I think part I think one thing that maybe hasn't been discussed yet, which I do feel is quite important to bring into discussion, is that Fabinho is quite a creative player, uh, especially if we play in a situation where if we play someone like Henderson alongside him, that does free him up a little bit. He's not purely a holder. Klopp has said he can play in an eight position if he needs to, and his creativity numbers are not horrendous either. Last season his, his XA was 0.13 per 90, so that's, that's not too bad. You know he's he, he's regularly sort of a creative player in the sense that he can bring something to that midfield. So I think if you can see we've got a balanced a balanced set of players, I feel like we do have enough creativity. In that I completely agree with Deian. And I think the other thing is, and I know I'm going to get started to saying this, I think a lot of people are writing off Adam Lallana very easily and very quickly without really appreciating that he is a player who can add something to that midfield. I appreciate a lot of people think he's going to be injured for the entire season. Which I don't think is necessarily fair. I think a lot of people maybe think he won't get much game time, which I'm not sure is necessarily fair either. But if we look at that midfield, in terms of in terms of creativity and attacking, Lalana is probably gonna be the most important player outside of Cater I assuming we don't sign anyone else, but we obviously will. But um but if you look at Genie, Hendo, Milner, Lalana offers much more than those three in terms of creativity, in terms of attacking attempt terms of tackling threat. Obviously, he's got to go, he's got a long way to go before he can get back to full fitness, and I don't think he's going to be a starter, but I think it's maybe unfair to sort of say, oh, well, Alana's not going to play. There's no point, you know, putting Alana in the conversation because I don't think that's necessarily fair on him. Um, so overall, I feel as though we do have got, have got quite a few options. We've got two, two excellent sixes in Hendo and Fino. We've got two sort of shuttlers, two hard workers in Jeannie and Milner. We've got Kata, who is everything and phenomenal. And to be honest with you, any midfield with Kater in, we're gonna have enough creativity, we're gonna have enough goals. I'm not even really worried about the balance of our midfield with Kater in it. Um and then obviously we've got Lolana who maybe can play in that the more attack the most attacking roles of the eight. The other thing to factor in is if we do play something like a four two four, obviously we'll talk about opposition in a minute, but in terms of formation, Klopp might go and play two out and out holders and then play a front four of um Shakiri, Salah, Firmino. Uh, Marnay or maybe Sturridge, depending on who, who the options are. But I think it's it's worth bearing in mind that, for me at least, there's enough options around there that it's going to be quite difficult for us to end up in a situation where we don't have enough creativity in the team. Although, and if more, more salient point there, I think like if we do, it's a deliberate choice that Klopp has made, if that makes sense. So I feel as though we've always got the options available. It's just whether or not Klopp wants to use them. That's my take on it. But we'll go on to talk about something that has been... Sort of brought up, and obviously, if anyone wants to respond to this, go ahead before uh, before they sort of jump in. But um, Groom, I was going to ask you about the horses for courses approach, which is something that you mentioned in the article and has sort of fleetingly come up in the conversation. Uh, the opposition is obviously going to play a big role, and the only times last season where we really looked like we were struggling for creativity was against the the really good defensive sides, not just teams that sit back, but teams that sit back effectively. So Man United, Chelsea, etc. So do you think that going into next season? We've got the balance there. It's just a case of picking the right team for the right opposition.
0: I think I think that's exactly right. And I think from the biggest point for me that came up when I was sort of thinking about writing this article was, you know, I was saying, oh, you know, we've got to get the balance right. We've got to make sure we're picking the right players and matching them for the opposition and all this, that and the other. I was thinking and rattling off all of these players, the, the joy that Klopp has, like I say, it's a it's a great dilemma to have because he has so many options now. And if he adds any more uh Summer signings to that. This, his wealth of choice is going to be something that any Liverpool manager in recent times would think is unparalleled. Uh, and I agree with you in the fact that Lalana could play a crucial role in that as well. But yeah, I mean, against those sort of, especially sort of United when I, when we lost two one, I think it was against uh, against them at Old Trafford last season. It was the mo- one of the most frustrating games of the season for me because. United went classic Mourinho, you know, the, the bus was well and truly parked and it was, it was clamped as well. It was, it wasn't going anywhere, but we gave away some silly goals on the break and, and it cost us. But I think against the teams like that, I think that's where we could see the two new boys in Cater and Fabino really come into their own because if we, I think, I think that the horses for courses, as we keep saying, could be the best approach because we've seen, we've seen what Navigator can do in the Bundesliga. I mean, when he, when he starts running at defenses and starts trying to thread those passes, he's so powerful. He's so dynamic. There's, there's very little that any defender in the world could do to stop him. Um, and I think with all the players that we could have in around him and like you say, if we're perhaps starting with that front four and throwing Shakiri into the mix, like we have, we have four players ahead of him whose movement is fantastic, who make the intelligent runs, who know where each other is instinctively, and they're all, they're all good, for, they can all chip in with goals, and they're all vital, vital players for Liverpool. So I think, I think that probably could be the best way to go. I mean, we've seen it, like, when we attacked City at Anfield in the, in the first leg of that Champions League game. I mean, City didn't know what to do with us and they were they've been revered as probably one of the best Premier League teams ever, which for what it's worth, I think, is not quite um, not quite accurate in my eyes. But anyway, you know, when we when we run at teams like that and we we do go hell for leather, there's, there's very few teams in world football that could stop us. So I think it's well worth doing that like I say, it's, I'm sure I'm, I, I wholeheartedly trust Klopp to get it right, that's something that's worth mentioning as well, like I keep saying about striking his balance and getting it right, I trust that he'll get it right, I, I really do um, but you know, I, it's just always a worry that you know we're going to sell ourselves a little bit sure somewhere but yeah I think I think going half a leather at teams is probably where we're going to get the most joy
1: Is there an issue, uh, perhaps Geelan, in the last couple of seasons that Klopp maybe hasn't catered to the opposition enough that he has had very much sort of the only way we're going to do this is the counter pressing, the gegenpress. press, that's going to be the system. We're going to stick with the four It's been quite rare that he has actually tweaked it. And when we have seen tweaks, they tended to have gone away pretty quickly. Do you think it's going to be a similar sort of question with the midfield Like Klopp's going to look at who's available and then maybe worry about the sort of the games, the, the rotation rather than necessarily picking the best players for the opposition? Is that something that you you've seen from him? Or do you think it's more likely that... The midfield balance is going to be one of those things that he has to sort of cater to a bit more in the next 12 months.
3: I'd certainly like to see him uh, cater to a bit more balance and a bit more kind of flexibility with his midfield and his tactics. Um, I, kind of, I wrote about it uh, yesterday regarding how the World Cup has shown us that teams kind of can have a general idea of how they're going to play and have an, an understanding of their strengths and perhaps a, a very clear spine of their team, but then kind of can adapt certain role players to do different things in different games based upon the opposition. And I think what Liverpool basically have this season is I imagine we're going to see Fabinho and Keita first names first named on the team sheet in the midfield. And then, as we sort of said today, there's that third midfield role or even a fourth midfield role where we're going to see guys kind of adapting around them. Klopp hopefully inserting people on a sort of horses-to-courses basis and saying, OK, for example, uh, against Chelsea, we know they're going to part the bus. So we're going to need that little slightly, potentially slightly more creative player ahead of them. So let's go to Lalana and let's have Keita as versatile enough to potentially rein in his own thrust, attacking thrust a little bit and, or there might be other games against, for example, a, uh, uh, Fulham where we say we're going to go health level. So Keita, we know he can play as basically a 10 and we have a very defensive six and essentially two tens. Some weeks we might have an eight, a 10 and a six and other weeks we might have kind of two sixes and an eight. And I think the good thing is with the B, with the Binho and Keita is that they can do all those things and then that other player, Within the rotation, you kind of come in, play a role one week, might not play the next week. And those two are kind of always the, the constants in the midfield. And that's hopefully, uh, to me, would be our best approach this season.
2: I, I completely agree. I think last season we saw a couple of tweets that maybe didn't stick around as long as as you'd have thought. But this season we're going to see even more. We're going to see, you know, just writing down a couple. Henderson, Cater, Fabinho, Fabinho, Cater, Lallana, Fabino, Cater, Milner. As has been said, there's a lot of different options there and a lot of different ways that Clock can play things depending on the opposition. Um, I think it's also important to note that Fabinho and Katie, because they do their jobs so well, whoever that third player is, whether it is Fakir, whether it is Lalana, um, whoever, they're going to have a real license to sort of do what they want going forward. It's, yes, they're going to have the, the creative spark. They're going to need to create something. Um, alongside Kate and not just put all the pressure on him but they will be given that licence to roam back and forth uh, which is going to be really exciting to see if kid does come in Um and and again Lolana's is going to have a key role Milner, uh, Henderson, Rinaldo, so lots and lots of different players there and again we're talking about quality players we're not talking about people coming in that aren't actually suitors or shouldn't be in the starting 11 these are all players who had a good season last year uh, we've made this step up in terms of mark in terms of our midfield this season, and yet all all of them are going to still play an important role. So it's really important to strike a balance, but I think we've got a lot of players with a lot of quality, all capable of doing different jobs, which allows that flexibility for Klopp to tailor um, his tactics to certain opposition.
1: Yeah, I think versatility is really important. I think that is one of the maybe the most important things about this midfield. It's something I've talked about at length before. I think we've got players, as you say... As you as you all said, you know, Katie can play anywhere, Katie can play six, eight, ten. Um you've got Fabino who can play six, can play eight, probably not at ten, but he's you know, he can still play in sort of one of those attacking field slots. You've got someone like Jeannie who started off his career, a lot of people thought he was gonna come to Liverpool and play in their number ten role, since then he's dropped into the eight and we've even seen him at six times last season. Milner's super versatile. Um Lalana's probably the only one who can't play a bit deeper. But again, that's not necessarily a massive issue. You've got lots of options there of players who can play anywhere. And what that means is that you've got different players with different skill sets. And for me, this sort of balance focuses on the idea of players with skill sets. And I think we've got enough players who have got a multifaceted skill set that there's always going to be enough options to balance that midfield to what club wants it to be. I mean, that's just that's just my take on it. Uh, we'll move on in a minute. But as it's your article, um Great. I've got to give you uh, one last chance to respond to anything that's been said. So if there's anything else you wanted to bring up from the article, or anything that someone else has said that you disagree with, that you want to jump on, or just sort of, you know, just to round off the discussion.
0: No, I think what everybody has said is, is 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 completely and utterly spot on. To be perfectly honest, I mean, as I said a minute ago, that isn't it great to just sort of think, look at all these great players that we've got at our disposal. When Klopp turns around and looks at his bench next season, he's going to think, right, who who can I turn to to make something happen here? He's going to have a few faces on the bench, and that's just for the midfield. If he can make one or two more additions, he's going to have a really, really good squad. One of the best Liverpool squads I can remember, Um, especially now, you know, so Allison's on the way, so he's, he's developed a really strong spine with Allison and Van Dijk and Cater and Firmino. That's, that's one of the best spines of the Liverpool team I've ever seen. Um but I just think it's so refreshing to look to the bench and not think, "All oh, right, okay, Bruno Chiru, dust your ben- dust your boots off, mate. We need you to do something for us here." I think it's it's just going to be so refreshing, and I I can't wait to see what Klopp does with them all. And like you say, the versatility aspect—it's just we've got players that can play anywhere. So I think I think bring on the Premier League next season.
1: I think bring on the Premier League, is something that we're all kind of thinking at the moment. Um, so we'll move on to talk about the big news of the week. Except it isn't anymore. Um, <laughs> one of the um one of the negatives of, of maybe being a bit too prepared and planning a pod and getting your guests in a couple of days in advance to make sure that they're free is that um, you can't necessarily jump on the biggest news of the hype as it happens. So we were kind of thinking when we were, when we and Milya, when me and were planning this pod, that uh, the signing of Jeanne Shakiri which was only announced on Friday, would be the uh, the big news of the week. But obviously that's not the case anymore. But we still want to talk about and um, because you've written a really good article about, uh, sort of addressing some of the maybe the negatives of the shakiri signing and sort of basically responding to them so I'll let you um give your take so sort of uh, explain your article the thinking behind it and then some of the main points for us to look at and then we can jump straight to the discussion
3: Yeah so I think when the shakiri sort of rumours began uh, there were a number of Liverpool fans who had their reservations about, sign- about the potential signing I think those reservations had two kind of main reasons the first of which was the idea that he wasn't good enough to play for Liverpool uh, and the second reservation was that Kind of as a result of him not being good enough, that he was, he was going to be blocking the path to the first team of some very talented young players whose path he should not have been blocking essentially because of his qualities. Um, and sort of firstly to address the overarching point, which is that he's not good enough for Liverpool. I think the important thing to stress is that Shaqiri is not coming to start. He's coming to be a role player. He's coming to be an option off the bench or an option in the. So sort in of an FA Cup third round game, he's coming to be playing when the fixtures, when the fixture list starts clogging up, when you've got a Champions League game followed by a Premier League game followed by a Champions League game. He's there to play at the weekend in the Premier League where he's a proven performer, as we saw at Stoke last year, where I think he, he contributed to something like over 40% of the goals that they scored, either as a scorer or assisting. Unlike most of the other wingers that we've seen signed into the Premier Leagues this season, for example, guys like Felipe Anderson, Andrea Malenko, uh, Mohamed El Yanassi, Diego Yota, who were all signed for kind of more than uh, what we paid for Shakiri. he had a Premier League experience. And we've seen him perform in the Premier League for a very, very poor team. But that side of things, the quality, I don't think is necessarily an issue. I'm sure Leanne's going to expand on that. Uh, and then in terms of the young players and blocking their route to the first team, I think we just we just have to be really realistic about what those guys have. We've had Ryan Kent, who had two very unsuccessful loan spells last season at Freiburg and Bristol. Shea Ojo, who was very unsuccessful at Wolves uh, two years ago and was slightly better at Fulham, but clearly Klopp has his reservations about him. Harry Wilson, who was great at Hull last year, but again has been laid out to a championship side. And Ben Woodman, who struggled all pre-season. Um, those guys don't look like they're cut out for it. It might be talent-wise, there might be an issue, but also I think there's a physicality issue. These are sort of 18, 19, 20-year-old boys who are being asked to perform at an incredibly high intensity week in, week out uh, in the Liverpool press, which seems to demand players who are slightly older, who are slightly further through their careers, who have kind of a bit more experience tactically, but are also kind of grown men capable of running around for 90 minutes twice a week um, and maintaining that intensity. And I think that's also an issue that we're seeing with these young players. And we have a lack of depth otherwise. It, it might not be facetious to suggest that Alberto Moreno might have been our best wide option uh before Shakiri came in, which is quite a scary thought but when you look down the list it's that would appear to be what we had before Shakiri came in
1: okay so i'll um I'll let you respond first um first Graham and then we'll go to leanne because leanne leanne has also written an article on Shakiri basically defending him so we'll start sort of start off with uh Scott if you want to give me your sort of overall thoughts on the article your any responses you want to make to it and then we'll go straight to Leanne for some numbers
0: well yeah I thought it is a fantastically well put together piece, very articulate, and the fact that the point that I that I like the most that uh, that Geelan raised is the fact that Shakiri is people are seeing Shakiri to be blocking the path of like Harry Wilson and uh, and all the other young players that Liverpool have on their books. I think people get very very drawn into we've got young players in our squad. Let's give them a go. We want to see young players succeed kind of mindset. They want to see the academy products. They want to see the next Trent. They want to see the next Gerard Carragher, whatever, what have you. But I think you've, he's, Scott's very right to look at the fact that these lads, they they're very, very young. So they're still very inexperienced. Only a couple of loan spells, some of them more successful than others. Whereas you're now turning to Shakiru, he's only mid-20s, he's still a young guy, he's still got a good career left ahead of him, and he's got, like you say, three years of Premier League experience. He's played in Serie A, he's played in the Bundesliga, he's played for some big, big teams with some big players. He knows he knows what he's doing, and I think his for 13 million quid, I think he's a really shrewd piece of business from Klopp. He's a classic Klopp sign-in, a player that's there with all kinds of potential uh that you know he sees a project he doesn't see the finished article um and he sees players that he, he can take and, and, and mould into perhaps someone a bit better and I think when don't get me wrong I would love to see Harry Wilson and Ben Woodburn and Shea Yojo and whatever turn into really good players and I think they probably will turn into good players but not necessarily all of them Liverpool players. I think of all, all of those mentioned I think Harry Wilson at the moment we'd probably have the brightest future in terms of playing in the Liverpool shirt ahead of him. But we don't, I mentioned it when I was talking about my article, I don't think we need to be turning around to the bench and Klopp thinking, "Okay, I need something from somewhere, I need a piece of magic. I've got either Harry Wilson, who's 21, Shea Yojo, who's around the same age, you know what I mean, Ben Woodburn, who's a teenager, still a kid. You don't want to be turning around to your bench and looking at that and thinking, oh goodness me, where am I going to get anything from here? If you're turning around and you're seeing the likes of, you know, Jordan Shakiri, who we we're talking about specifically here, but him alongside like Adam Milana and Daniel Sturridge, and these are proven players. So I think that's a really, really good point. And I I, I think I, I've thought about something similar in terms of Shakiri's quality. Like I say, he's, he's proven that he can done it. He had a really good World Cup with, with Switzerland as well, he scored a couple of good goals, and just his all round performances were impressive. So I think people are very keen to write players off because of who they've what club they've come from as well. And just because he's come from Stoke doesn't mean he's a bad player. I mean, we've got Alden from Newcastle and he's turned out to be a fantastic player. And we got Andy Robertson from a relegated Hull team and look at the success that he's having. So I think people just need to sort of reserve a bit of judgment and wait and see what Shakiri does this season, really.
2: Yeah, so um, obviously, as Tom said, I've written a Shakiri article as well. So just to throw some stats in, I completely agree with, with the article itself. Um, so from an attacking perspective, Shakiri scored eight goals last season, which was, of course, his best return uh, during his three-year spell at Stoke. Four goals and two assists in 2016-17, three goals, six assists um in 2015-16. So good numbers there. And actually those numbers would have put him as fourth top goal scorer behind um, Salah, Mane and Firmino. So again, that shows he has got something to contribute, whether that's from the bench or whether that's starting the the odd few games. Uh, remains to be seen but he has got something to offer there that we maybe didn't see last season and then defensive point of view I think another main issue with Shakiri was that he was lazy therefore didn't fit Klopp's style and the, the demands of his system so why on earth were we looking to sign him even if it was a, a cut price uh, for a Premier League proven player but the numbers actually say otherwise uh, of course stats don't necessarily tell the whole story but it's also important um, to note that Klopp wouldn't have signed him or wouldn't have sanctioned the move if he didn't believe the player would would work in his cohesive unit. So uh, Shakiri averaged 0.52 tackles per 90 minutes last season, which was more than double Salah's uh, of 0.2, uh, while chipping in with 0.49 interceptions compared to Mane's 0.34 and Salah's 0.16. So Shakiri is capable of putting in a shift. Um He is willing to track back. Of course sometimes during the World Cup we didn't always see that and that is um something that Klopp will need to work on but as I said you know Klopp wouldn't have sanctioned it if he didn't feel that Shakiri would buy into the system buy into the philosophy so there's lots of positives there um and as has been said it's a Premier League proven player very cheap price someone who's able to add to Klopp's pulsating attack already um and he's got a lot of different aspects to his game he's got that dead ball uh, brilliance so I think he was the fifth, uh, ranked fifth among Premier League forwards from key passes in dead ball situations. So again, that shows, um, how good he is. 0.82 per 90 minutes for that one. So that will add an extra dynamic. And there's a lot of different avenues that the cop can in- explore with Shikiri. Um, just briefly, the youth point of view from, from, uh, Gieland's I think is very interesting to look at. Um, I think as fans, a lot of people want to see the next big thing. Come out of the club. Uh, they want to see the next star of the game and, and be able to say, well, he came through our academy. He's one of us. Um, but they can't always rise to that necessarily le- necessary level. We've talked about before with um, the midfield and how Klopp is building a, a very very strong spine. And Liverpool, therefore, spending money and wanting to challenge for silverware, needing to challenge for silverware. And when you've got those demands, can you really be affording you know chances to uh, Ojo? I'm not sure you can. And I think that's not necessarily a negative on, on the quality of the youth players. It's more a reflection that this is a time where Klopp needs to be getting tr- trophies. He needs to be vying for silverware. And if a young player comes in, he gets a chance and doesn't perform, then suddenly fans are up outraged at the fact that he's, you know, given them the chance. So it's, it's a lose-lose situation for Klopp. But in terms of Shakiri, I think it's a very, very good signing.
1: Okay, one question I do have, Liam, before we get into the discussion of the young players, because I feel that is a really salient point. Um, do you do you believe that Shakiri is a low risk signing? Because this is something I've seen bandied about quite a bit, but I don't agree that he is a low risk signing. Purely because low risk means more than just a fee. Just because he's cheap and he's almost certainly going to be good value for money, one of the things that I, I think everyone agrees on, he's going to be he's going to be good value for money. But I feel as though the low the risk goes beyond just the site just the signing of um just the money because obviously with in many respects, we are leaning a key position on him. We're saying if something happens to Salah, kerry has got to step up. So in many respects, it might be very well that if if he flops at Liverpool, I don't think he will for what it's worth, but if he does flop at Liverpool and we sell him for 10000000 million, we've only lost £3 million quid. But if he flops at Liverpool and we end up finishing fifth because we don't have the firepower, that is quite a big risk in many respects, would you not say?
2: Um, I don't think he's a big risk. Um, as I said, he's got a lot of aspects to his game, some of which are explored in my article, some of which are explored in Scott's article. Creates chances, he's good from set pieces. We saw um, during the World Cup how good he is from corners as well. And that aspect of his game gives another dynamic to Liverpool, as I said before. So I think when you're looking at risk, as you said, it, it does go beyond money. It does go beyond the price of a player. And that's a very, very true point. But when you're looking at Shakiri. Um, As Scott said earlier, Premier League proven player, he is cheap and okay, risk isn't all about the money, as I just said, but when you can create chances, when you can add that extra dynamic to Liverpool, I think it's a no-brainer, as Klopp even said himself in those exact words. Liverpool need a depth for the front three and you're perfectly right in saying if something does happen to Salah or Firmino or Mane, Shakiri's the one that that's going to be coming into the side. Um But when you've got Liverpool going out and and buying Alisson for a world record fee for a goalkeeper, we've brought in uh, Fabinho, cater, I'm not sure whether that came out of this season or last season's budget, but that's a lot of money that Klopp is spending. He's going to be bringing in hopefully a couple of more players as well. So I think it was just a case of, well, here's a player, Premier League proven, good value and capable of doing a lot and ticking a lot of the boxes that we need. So I I don't think it is a a high-risk buy at all.
1: Okay. Um, and I'll ping, ping back to Gielan here, because it's obviously your article. Uh, I'll let you sort of ask this next sort of point. Do you think, and obviously you can respond to the low risk point as well. Do you think Shakiri is good enough? I mean, obviously we've talked about, we all think he's a good player. I think we, there's no doubt on that. Do you think Liverpool needed to buy someone of Shakiri's quality, or do you think Liverpool needed to buy someone closer to Mo Salah's quality?
3: I think,
2: <clears throat>
3: I think they need to think, ultimately they needed to buy someone better than what they had, which was of a sufficiently low bar that someone of Shakiri's quality was a substantial upgrade. And ultimately what, what, as I said earlier, what Liverpool are really requiring Shakiri to do is, is be a good Premier League winger. Um, he's going to be in a, in a, in a side where he's not going to be asked to be the main man, which is a rarity in his career. Um, he's going to be in a side that is going to be on the offensive, which is a rarity in his recent career and whereas he was able to kind of excel in that, in those sort of areas, especially early in his career at Basel. One would like to think that his, his qualities are going to be enhanced by the quality of the players around him. Um, it's not going to be like earlier in his career where he, he sort of struggled at Bayern, where he seemed to be trying to do a little bit too much on his own, despite the fact he was surrounded by other talented players. So I, I don't think, and, and I do, I also do think that trying to sign a player of, who was close to Mohamed Salah's quality would ultimately have been too expensive. Um, given the other needs we had, the the goalkeeping need, need to find a number one goalkeeper, that is a horrible need that ultimately you have to spend money on. Um, it looks like they're trying to sign a, another crazy midfield, the Fekir, kind of a, a number 10 star player. Again, a first team quality player at that spot, not going to come cheap. And ultimately, if you're going to be signing a not a first team quality player, someone who you just want to play well in the Premier League, I think someone of Shakiri's standard was kind of part of the course, really, and I think a, a very reasonable and valid sign.
1: OK, some really good points there again. And, Groom, I will go to you next. So, a uh, similar sort of question. Um, do you feel as though Shakiri is a player who is going, to, he's more picked for his depth? He's more a player who offers a bit more depth in the squad is primarily going to be a bench option? Or do you think he's got what it takes to challenge the current front three for a starting spot in the team?
0: I think we're going to be surprised, to be perfectly honest. I think Klopp's going to use him a bit more than people are expecting, um, purely because, like I said before, I think he sees him as a as a real project to get his hands on and to mould into a player that he thinks can really make a difference. I think, I think when I think it was Scott earlier who said about you know he'll be used at the weekend games in between Champions League fixtures. I think that will still predominantly play a big part of his season I think we'll see him a lot off the bench I think we'll see him a lot in those games in between the Champions Leagues and in cup competitions especially in the earlier stages but I think as the season wears on and especially around Christmas we saw Klopp do it last year where he really does start to tinker with the personnel and swap things around because still I think he'll be used more than some people are going to give him credit for because I still think if if we got an injury to either one of Mane, Salah or Firmino, the impact of that on the whole squad and the whole way that Liverpool play is, is, is massive. It's, it's more important. I'm sorry, Leanne, more important than the Ox being laid up for 12 months. If one of those <laughs> three gets injured, it's, it, it doesn't even bear thinking about still, which is why the need for someone like Shakiri. And I will still argue the point of Nabil Fakir and, Adam Lallana, I agree with you, Tom. I think people are way too quick to write him off. Um, I think those kinds of players are really, really important for us to have in, this, in the squad. But like I say, I think he can play a really crucial role. We were going through all those stats earlier and we were saying how impressive they were for, for a season in the Premier League, you know, outperforming some of our guys in terms of his defensive work. Rate as well. This is this is playing for Stoke. He was not surrounded by, no, no offence to Stoke or anything like that, but he was not surrounded by the greatest quality uh, there whereas here he's playing with he's playing with the guys who've just come out of a champions league final a lot of whom have had great world cups for their country um you know you a guy who won the golden boot in the premier league last year one of the guys who's been revered as the most modern center forward in the in the world as Firmino and you know he's playing with all these brilliant players and I am very much of the believer if you surround yourself with good people, then good things will happen. It's a similar kind of situation in football. If you surround yourself with the best players, it makes you want to be better. He's going to want to strive to be better. And I think we really will see something. I think he'll surprise quite a few people this season with uh, with his performances and as to how Klopp uses him.
1: Okay. So lots and lots of positivity about Shakiri then. Um, so one thing we haven't talked about just yet, but we obviously want to talk about is the, the young players. And, um, I mean, I personally feel I'm just going to jump in quickly on this one. I do feel as though you're bang on here. The young, the, if the young lads were good enough to be getting in this side, they'd be getting in this side. We wouldn't be buying Shakiri if Wilson, Ojo, etc. were good enough to get a place in the team to begin with. Um, Harry Wilson has had a couple of good months at Hull, but he's 21 now and he's yet to show any sort of impetus or any sort of spark. Um he's been he's never been anywhere near the first team picture, which to me just indicates he's not gonna get anywhere near the first team picture. Because for me, if if Wilson was gonna be in the first team picture, it would have happened by now. And I think he's gonna get flogged off to a championship club. Ojo I'm a little biased on Ojo because I have friends, I've quite a few friends who um who uh, are massive Wolves fans who are season to get hold of the Wolves and at Fulham and they all said his attitude stunk, he was very, very poor, he was their worst player, they couldn't wait to be rid of him. So this is two clubs where Ojo was loaned that could not wait to see the back of him. And for me, that just screams of a player who doesn't have a future at Liverpool. Um, Kent, again, he's one of those where you look at the place he was on and people said his performances were very positive, but he doesn't really seem to have much of an end product at the end of it. And again, Klopp doesn't really seem interested in them. So we've got a lot of young players here that maybe are almost being bigged up because, as you say, people want to big up players because they want to see the next Stephen Gerrard, the next Trent Alexander Arnold. But for me, the key, th- the key thing there is the difference. We've had Trent is the first player in, what, 15 years to come out of our academy that's likely to get into the first team, uh, you know, since Gerrard, since Carragher. We haven't really got anyone in the in-betweening in the last, you know, 10, 15 years or so who's really come out of our academy storming. I mean, Sterling's obviously the main one, but even then we picked him up from QPR. So it's quite rare that we get players coming out of our academy that are good enough to play for Liverpool, and that's understandable because Liverpool are supposed to be an elite club. We are an elite club in many respects. We need elite players. And I don't think any of the young lads coming out of our academy apart from Trent, obviously, and hopefully, although obviously it's a bit, bit early to say on him, Ben Woodburn, they're not necessarily elite players. So relying on them when we should be relying on players like Shakiri is maybe, maybe too much. Um, but, uh, Gielan will obviously go to you first on this one since it's your article. Anything you wanted to respond to on there or just your overall sort of thoughts on the young players?
3: Yeah, I think, I think the, if Liverpool are going to be seeing young players playing in the Premier League, I, I really doubt it's going to be in the attacking third anymore. Um I think we're more likely to see more defensive minded players come through. Um someone like Trent for example, uh he's got that he's very he's kind of a freak really that he's obviously incredibly athletically gifted, but he's one of the rare players who's who's had that kind of positional versatility and variety in his youth development. He played centre midfielder for a long time uh, and has now played a right back and Klopp's used him on the right side of the centre of the midfield as well. And um, that kind of tactical nous, I'm, I imagine, is very unusual for a young player, Um it, as well as kind of his athleticism, his ability, his quality from dead ball situations. Um, he offers uh, a very, very wide range of skills for a very, very young man. And I think the thing that the, 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 the fans, I suppose, need to realise is just how unique that is. Um, As you said, that we haven't seen kind of a young player come through 15 years, except for Raheem Sterling in the middle. And that was it. during a very different Liverpool side. He, he got his break because Liverpool were basically bad, um, when he kind of first came through and then was kind of, his development was accelerated in the Premier League. Young players don't have that anymore. Liverpool are not a bad side. Liverpool are a very good side and young players aren't going to get early and frequent exposure to a Premier, to the Premier League or indeed to first team football at Liverpool FC these days, um, unless they are a freak. And I think that's a very kind of, unusual way to describe Trent Alexander-Arnold but I think that's ultimately what he has been and what he is compared to so many young players and that's shown by the fact that he went to the World Cup.
1: Yeah, Groom, I'll let you respond as well of course. Um, do you feel as though there are any young players who maybe will have been staring at a shot in the first team who were good enough that maybe now don't have that opportunity because of Shakiri, or do you feel as though it's it's the case that these players were never going to be in the first team picture with or without Shakiri?
0: I think the latter there. I don't, I don't think the likes of Wilson and Ojo and Woodburn were going to get too much of a first team shot. Like I say, I think the only one who was really knocking on the door is Harry Wilson, but then that, I think he's still a way off. Um, he needs, they, they all just need a bit more, a bit more about them. Like I, it's hard, it's hard because if these players decide they want to then move elsewhere and they have a flourishing career and we think, oh, look at what could have been. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, but like Scott said, it's hard to see anybody in world football, let alone an 18-19 20 year old kid from the academy breaking into Liverpool's attacking ranks when you've got players like Liverpool have and then they've just further strengthened with Shakiri, but it, you know we're we're making a valid point here that it's been decades since Liverpool won the Premier League and that is that is the holy grail, that's what everybody wants. Yes, we came close to silverware last year in the Champions League, but it wasn't meant to be. And it is getting closer, but it, I've, I wholeheartedly agree with the fact that we need we need a bit more, we need a bit more now. So we need a bit more experience, we need that wisdom, that sort of stuff to draw on. And the point about Trent is, is is quite brilliant, to be perfectly honest. I mean, this is players that are coming through Liverpool's academy are always going to be now. Put against the benchmark of those that have come through before them, and they will always be the ones that people remember. So, you know, a young defender comes through, always the next Jamie Carragher. A young midfielder comes through, always the next Steven Gerrard. A young winger or whatever comes through, he's going to now be the new trend. And it, without without sounding too harsh to these guys that are coming through, but they're three supremely talented players, two of which are probably some of the best Liverpool players of all time. These kind of guys don't happen very often. And I know a lot of people that have been through academies and I've got family friends who have children that are currently going through academies. And the numbers that these kids get told as to as to who actually makes it into the big time from the academies is it's it's so, so slim, so slim. So you've almost got to be someone who is of that kind of calibre, a freak, as, as Gielan said. To, to even get a shot these days because the standard is just so high just in, in world football in general but if you're playing for one of the top four or five teams in England in the Premier League which is the best league in the world the league that everybody wants to play in you've got to be something else and so it's, it's just going to be very difficult but then Leanne said lose-lose situation Klopp's not playing the young players why aren't we playing them? They're going to leave if he does play them and it doesn't go right clock gets blamed for picking the young players, and we've got people like Shaqiri, Sturridge, Lallana, etc., etc., sitting on the bench. So it's very difficult, but I, I don't see Shakiri' signing as being something that should be looked as a, as a prohibitor to any kind of development.
2: I think both of you are spot on. I think the point about being a defensive player uh, who would break through your ranks is spot on. Um, our front three is so electric, scored the most goals ever in a Champions League campaign. So to, to see a youngster coming through and aligning himself to that bracket or just putting himself as an understudy, that's a big, big task. And I don't think any of our current players are up to that. Um, whereas when you're looking at the defensive point of view, Trent has come in and he's shown that he can really compete for that right back spot. He's made it his own. Now he's a he's a mainstay in the team. So I do think that's where the breakthroughs will come. And, and therefore, in that sense, Shakiri is not an obstacle for the young players. Um, in terms of you know, Harry Wilson, I do think he was a player that I'm very fond of and I did think he was going to get a chance um, just over pre-season at least, go to the US Tour and see how he got got on against high-caliber opposition. Um, just looking at his record for whole last season, he had a very, very successful loan spell. Seven goals and 14 assists in 13 games, so very good record. Great record at youth level as well. Um, so I was expecting him to stick around this season, get a chance and maybe get a look in uh, as a backup in you know, the Premier League or the domestic cup competitions because he was good against Chester and Tranmere. Okay, they're not, you know, the best opposition. They're not Premier League opposition. Um, But I thought he had shown a little bit of something about him. But I, I can also see where Klopp's coming from. Liverpool and Klopp himself are at a stage where they will be wanting a trophy. They'll know they'll need to challenge if they're spending this kind of money. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a young player to be back up to someone like Mohamed Salah because you have to be such a good player to be anywhere near um this liverpool front three and harry wilson undoubtedly a good player but i just don't think he's quite there um and then it, in terms of his future i i sort of agree with Tom i think it was an now or never point in time he's 21 um had a good loan spell at the championship as i said and so that was his chance to really kick on and it it wasn't that he didn't take it i just don't think it's the right time for him to get it and therefore i don't think he ever will and as for Ojo, Trent, uh, not Trent, Kent, um, Woodburn, I don't see any of them having any better fortunes either, which is a shame. Um, as I've said before, fans just want the next big thing to come out of their academy. And I completely understand that. But I do think they're going to find it hard. Um, do I blame Shaqiri for for providing an obstacle? Absolutely not. Liverpool need depth. They need quality players here and now. They don't need, um, you know, young players with a promising career in five or six years. If, if you want to win the Premier League, you need someone off the bench who can make a difference straight away. And I do think Shakiri's more up to that task. So I, I can understand where cops come from with the Harry Wilson loan. Um, I just think him in particular, it's a bit of a shame.
1: One thing I would say before we move off of it, not to get too off topic, but with Woodburn, he is 18, whereas the other lads are 21 now. So with some, with Kent, with Ojo, with Wilson, they are at now or never points. They need to be... Because at, at 21, if you've not made it, you're going to struggle, really. If you're not playing for a Premier League club by the time you're 21, it's going to be a tough ask to get to the very, very top of football, whereas Woodburn's only 18, and there's still a lot of promise about him. So I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if he still makes it. Um, in terms of Shakiri, I mean, this is a signing that I'm not overly enthused about, but I appreciate the fact that signing someone like Shakiri allows us to make a signing like Alisson in goal. Which for me was the main thing I wanted from this window anyway. So for me it's sort of a, it's a win in the sense that we've got what we want in many respects. We've got a player to fill a gap. Maybe not the best player we could get in that position, but certainly the cheapest player we could get in that position that's good enough. So for me that's my take on it. I feel as though he does have to improve. I don't, I don't think he's come, part of my issue is I don't think he's coming to the club as a finished article. I think his underlying numbers are good enough to suggest that he can improve. And just that he will find the consistency and the end product that he's been lacking up until this point in his career. But for me, it's still a question of Shikiri does need to improve at Liverpool. It's just a case of him actually doing it, if that makes sense. So all the, all the raw elements are there. But I do feel he needs to show more than he has demonstrated in the last few years. Um, is there anything that anyone wants to add before we go on? I'll go to you first, Groom. If there's anything you want to add, and then if there's nothing, you can go straight to plugs. So anything you've got coming out on the site in the next few days, you wanna you wanna push.
0: Yeah, I I I kind of disagree with your last point, to be perfectly honest, Tom. Um, when you say Shakiri is not coming to the club as the finished article, and it's perhaps a little bit of a concern, I felt I feel a bit more comfortable with the Shakiri signing than I did with us signing Marne back when he joined us a, a couple of years ago. Yes, he'd had a good season at Southampton and he was looking great, but was he worth was he was he Liverpool caliber? Was he worth thirty four million quid? I don't know. I was I was unconvinced and I said I'll I'll let Klopp prove me right and he did. The same the same was said with Firmino, like I didn't really know too much about him, but his numbers looked good. I wasn't entirely sure he was worth nearly thirty million quid. But we've, you know, I know he was a Brandon Rogers signing and everything. It's probably the best parting gift anyone's ever given us. Um, But, you know, I wasn't convinced that he was going to be anywhere near the player he was going to be now. The same goes for Salah as well. I mean, there's a lot of players in that Liverpool team that I think come to us not as the finished article. But we've got a manager who gets the best out of people and he can take people to that next level. Uh, and as well as like existing squad members as well. Like Jordan Henderson's game has gone Massively on an upward curve. Dejan Lovren, um, even for a stint, I'm, I'm probably gonna get laughed at for this. Alberto Moreno even improved a little bit um, under Klopp for a short period of time before his true colours once again came to the surface. Um, but you know, I think I understand where the, where the scepticism comes from with Shakiri, But I I'm very much a firm believer in what I said earlier: the fact that I think I think he might he might well surprise a few people uh, with what what he can offer actually.
2: I, I agree and I disagree with that. I do think he will surprise people and I do, um, understand that maybe the less positive comments about him and his potential laziness and whether he fits the style. I do think he'll be a very good signing and a very useful option for Liverpool over the course of the season. But I do disagree. I do think, um, Shakira is not someone I'm looking at when we signed like, oh, yes, I prefer. Uh, I feel more comfortable about him than when we signed Mane. I think Mane and Salah had both maybe improved themselves a little bit more. That's not to say Shakiri hasn't, but Mane had that little bit more about him, that little more verb where you're thinking, yeah, he could come straight into this starting 11 and really add something special. Um I'm a big Shakiri fan, as I've said throughout this podcast, and I do think he'll do well, but I didn't necessarily get that same vibe. Um it, Purely because everyone knows he's not come in to be part of that front three, probably. Um, it's just a case of, of timing. Whereas with Mane, you're, you're looking at it and you're thinking, well, actually, Klopp's probably buying him to be a mainstay in that team. So you're looking at him slightly differently. Um, and then as for Salah, I, I think he was doing so well at Roma that I never really thought about his struggles at Chelsea. So I did just think he was a very, very good signing to begin with. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with the premise of your point that Shakiri is going to be a very good signing. He is going to prove a lot of people wrong. Uh, great value for money, great um range of things to his game. So so I'm feeling very positive about it.
1: Leanne yeah, just had to jump in there because she knew I, <laughs> I, I I don't I don't agree to the extent that I feel both Salah and Mane came to us off the back of two excellent seasons. They both scored at least ten goals in both league campaigns, whereas Shikiri's never scored ten goals in a league campaign in his career. That's my issue in terms of output. That's what I mean when I say he needs to improve. He's he's never hit double digits in 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 a league season, which for a player coming to Liverpool as a backup winger, you need to be doing, it, in my opinion. Um, I'll let you go now, Geelan. Is there anything you want to add? And then, is there anything you want to plug?
3: No, there's nothing to add. To it. I think everyone's kind of summed it all up very nicely, and we've had some different opinions as well. Which, and I think that's it is. I think Leanne's spot on that it's it's about timing. I think if if Liverpool had signed Shaqiri, um, sort of the Shakiri of today, perhaps when they signed Mane uh, back, you know, back in, what was it, 2016, then I think we might, we might have seen it a little differently. We might have seen them, you see them almost the other way around, but I don't know. I think I would, I would agree with you both that I think Shakiri is not, I'm not as certain about the transfer, but at the same time, it's a necessity. Um, and it's really nice to be able to get that necessity for a cut price in the way that we're not, unfortunately, being able to get the necessity of a, a good goalkeeper, for a cut price. um, But no, that would be, that's it for me. And I don't have anything to plug either at the moment.
1: (laughs) No plugs. Uh, Groom, is there anything you need to plug? Sorry, we didn't get around to that first time round.
0: Yeah, that's right. I got quite embroiled in that argument. I'd just like to quickly add again, I think it may be the price tag that sort of worried me about Marne, But like I said, I think, I think I agree with you all again. Um, just got to wait and see which hear, i think has been very optimistic um in terms of a plug i'm actually working on a piece uh, which should be out either this weekend early next week all depends on today's massive updates with a certain alice and Becca. i'm i'm looking at uh, i got a few people have touched on it today about the whole net spend fsg out kind of brigade people i think i think this may well be the catalyst for something that perhaps starts to win a few more people round to John Henry and Fenway sports groups uh, ideals and, and what they're, what they're envisioning for the club um perhaps why this kind of investment hasn't come sooner. And that might well be in the shape of Jürgen Klopp, but yeah, that should be out like later this weekend or early next week. So, and then I want a bit of a hiatus because I'm currently moving in house. So busy times.
1: And Leanne, anything you need
2: to plug? Uh, yeah. So I've got quite a few things. Um, I've got a piece out discussing one of the questions posed in the AI subscribers Facebook about how Klopp has built a backup side stronger than the first 11 he inherited from Brendan Rodgers. Um, so a lot of people have been commenting like, isn't this a really obvious thing to say? But actually, when you look at the two teams, I think it just reinforces how much progress Liverpool have made. Um, and it really puts into perspective those early um, questions about whether Klopp had actually made a difference and whether he was the same level as Brennan Rogers. So I think we can all agree that that's been very much put to bed now. Um, so that's, that's out now, uh, to look at. And then obviously my Shakiri article, um, just a bit of more of a statistical basis on Shakiri, um, and his output and his defensive stats. Uh, but go and check that out, um, if you want some more Shakiri information. Other than that, I've got a first piece going up for Carl's, um, Some Green Grass website. Uh, so that's a non-Liverpool related article but definitely a website everyone should check out and look at their Twitter some very very top articles on there um, and then my research article is out in the coming days now the World Cup is over um, so I'm hopeful we won't see too much more Twitter fume um, about that one that Carl received but we'll have to um, watch that space and of course a uh, Gini Wijnaldum article um, I'm currently working on given his speculation about uh, maybe a summer switch elsewhere so Lots and lots going on. Um, other than that, just obviously continue listening to the show. And we've had two brilliant guests on today.
1: Yeah. Check out, um, check out both of our guests on Twitter. Check out all of our guests on Twitter. Check out Leanne on, tr- on Twitter, obviously. Check me out on Twitter as well if you don't, uh, hate me. Um, so I've got two articles out at the moment. Um, one is on goalkeeping errors, which suddenly became very poignant. Um, Dan Kennett did a piece about, did a piece of stats, sorry, about goalkeeping errors in the Premier League over the last five years. So I had a look at um, where Liverpool sit in terms of goalkeeping errors over the last few years, and just for fun, I decided to throw in Allison's numbers because they're about five times. Well, no, they're about twice as good as Carrick's numbers. So suddenly, this this uh, that article suddenly become a bit of a heat, a bit of a hit. And um, I've written a piece last year, last summer, I wrote a piece on how I thought Liverpool could win the Premier League. Uh, this summer, I've written the same piece again. where I think Liverpool can win the Premier League, not necessarily that we will. But just that we've got everything in place to win the Premier League. And I think this summer's might, in many ways, it's going to be maybe a little bit closer in terms of where we're at. But I think it might be further away because in the sense that last summer, I wasn't necessarily sure any any of the opposition would be phenomenal. Whereas this summer, I think everyone's kind of sure City are going to hit the ground running. Um But yeah, just keep, please keep listening to this pod. It's a really, really great pod. I think me and Liam put a lot of work into it and we always get fantastic guests on. You guys have written some brilliant articles and you've come on and made some fantastic points. Uh, and that's what it's about for me, um, the guests, and they make it happen. So, um yeah, thank you so much for coming on, both you guys. Thank you very much, Leanne, as ever. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. Same sort of time, I imagine, middle of the week. Uh, but until then, uh, hopefully, Alison signs in the next couple of days and up the reds. Podcast Network.